Ever since I was a young child, I've been fascinated by the supernatural. I read every book, watched every documentary, and collected any articles I could involving ghosts, spirits, demons, or other ethereal entities. I'd never really considered the religious implications of such fascinations, and I certainly didn't know if there was a heaven or a hell, but I knew there were ghosts. After high school, I went on the road, searching for anything and everything that might give me the opportunity to witness a haunting. I'd been through small towns, uh, big cities, north, south, east, and west, working odds and ends jobs whenever I ran out of money, living hand to mouth, and never giving up. But I had to be honest. I'm starting to lose hope. I'd recently arrived in a suburb outside of Boston. The local newspapers were all reporting about a particularly heinous home invasion, ending in the death of a man, a woman, and their young child. A part of the house, the master bedroom, had been burned from the inside, but first responders managed to quell the flames before the house was destroyed. They were too late to save any of the family, though. It was perfect. As morbid as this sounds, this had everything. A young child, happy family, fire, home invasion, so potentially vengeful spirits. So many factors that could add up to a restless spirit lingering in this world, not quite ready to let go and move on to uh, whatever comes after. Driving past the house, it was apparent that this had happened recently. Smoke still gently leaked from a window near the back of the house, and the area still buzzed with reporters and law enforcement personnel. The property itself was still taped off. I decided to start my search away from the house. I wouldn't be able to get anywhere near an active crime scene. Plus, any details I'd need would be made available once the investigation was complete. I wasn't in any kind of hurry. I went first to the house's backyard neighbor. They would have been closest to the room that was set aflame and might have seen or heard something. When I knocked on their door, an older gentleman answered the door. He looked probably fifty-five to sixty and had a kind face, but was visibly shaken. Yes, the man said, peering around the door timidly. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Uh, my name's Paul Harrison. I'm an independent journalist. I was hoping you might answer a few questions, I stated, while producing a fake press pass. I wouldn't have fooled anyone who knew what they were looking at, but it was convincing enough for those who didn't. He let out an exacerbated sigh before saying, eh, Sure, come on in. It was fairly clear I wasn't the first to come knocking. He led me to the living room where he offered me a seat on the couch. I retrieved my journal from my bag and scribbled the date, time, and location. Uh, what is your name, sir? Michael. Uh, Michael Foster. Okay, uh, Mr. Foster. Uh, first, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I'm sure you've had numerous people come asking already. He nodded once, slowly, remained silent. Uh, did you know the family behind your house? Not well. We spoke once or twice. I only saw them occasionally while I was tending my garden. Their daughter would play in the backyard every now and then while the weather was nice. 
She'd always smile and wave at me. Seemed like a very sweet young girl. I nodded as I wrote. Go on, I added without looking up. He paused as if he didn't quite know what to say. Uh, how about the parents? Did you ever speak with them? Only once. They were grilling some steaks for dinner one evening while I was sitting out back. We exchanged pleasantries and made a bit of small talk, but that was it. They seemed friendly enough, seeming like generally nice people. I couldn't tell you much more, though. That's all right. Uh, how about the night of the fire? Uh, what can you tell me about that? The man hesitated for a moment before continuing. I woke up in the middle of the evening to screaming. I'm a fairly light sleeper. It startled me awake. It wasn't one scream, but many and continuous. I went to my kitchen window, uh, just through there. He said as he pointed through a doorway into his living room to a large window overlooking his backyard. From there, I could see flames in front of the second story, on the right side of the house. The screaming continued as the flames blew out the window and started billowing out. They went on for a minute or two, it seemed. I called 911 as soon as I saw what was happening, but the screaming stopped before anyone arrived. The fire department arrived minutes later, but I think that someone burned alive in that room. The man's voice trailed off after his last sentence. I'm so sorry, Mr. Foster. Uh, that must have been terrible. I can't even imagine. Do you know what could have started the fire? The police are saying it was a break-in or something. I just don't understand why someone would need to set the place on fire. Uh, did you see anyone leaving? Anybody running away or a car driving off? No, but I wasn't looking. I couldn't look away from that window. I wanted to so badly. I couldn't. I'm very sorry, Mr. Foster. Is there anything you've witnessed out of the ordinary uh, in the days since? What exactly do you mean? What could possibly be considered out of the ordinary in a house that a family was just murdered in only days ago? I understand how this could be a bizarre question. I'm referring to things that uh, shouldn't be happening. Lights flickering on and off in the middle of the night, strange sounds, more screaming, anything of that sort. I was trying not to seem too enthusiastic as I elaborated. Evidently, I failed. No, of course not. What kind of journalist are you, exactly? Well, sir, uh, I investigate the paranormal, and based on the grotesque nature of... You gotta be kidding me. The man yelled, standing up from his seat. A family was murdered, and they're not even in the ground before you come asking about ghosts. Have you some damn respect? Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I... Get the hell out of my house. I've got nothing more to say to you. The man fumed. Right. Uh, once again, I'm very sorry, I said as I hurried to the door. Mr. Foster said nothing more, but slammed the door behind me. I tried a couple more of the neighbors, but they all said the same thing. Screams, flames, and didn't see anyone leaving. This might just be what I've been looking for. I decided to spend a couple of nights outside the house, parked a few houses over. 
I couldn't go inside since it was still an active crime scene, so that would be as close as I could get. I arrived just before dusk with the usual stuff. Caffeine, snacks, binoculars, night vision, and a long-distance microphone. It wasn't my first rodeo. Well, then again, maybe it was, since it's never actually worked before. But that's not the point. All the internet sites said this was the best stuff. Plus, it cost me a year's worth of bussing tables to afford some of it. Shaking myself out of my unrelated train of thought, I settled in for a long night. After about four hours of waiting and seeing absolutely nothing, my eyes began to droop. I was bored, tired, and getting frustrated. But I had to remind myself it could take a long time. The family had just died. It could take years before they revealed themselves in that house. I looked down at my phone and started browsing some different ghost-hunting forums to reinvigorate my passion. I scrolled through a couple of pages, wondering what it was that they'd been doing differently, when I noticed a flicker out of my peripheral vision. I looked up, but saw nothing. I felt my adrenaline peak, then slowly wane as I got that sinking feeling that I'd just been seeing things. That is, until I saw it again, this time while staring right at it. Only for a split second, but it was clear as day. The lights in one of the upstairs rooms had flickered on and off again. This is it, I thought to myself. After all these years, I was staring at a haunted house. I pointed the microphone right at the room and listened intently. I heard something so faint I couldn't tell if I imagined it or not. I turned my head left and away so that my ear was pressed up against the microphone. I listened and listened, but couldn't hear anything. As I gave up and turned my head back towards the house, I threw the microphone straight up into the roof of my car. The light in the room wasn't on, but it was completely aflame. Standing at the window, engulfed in flames, was the family. The mother and father stood directly behind their daughter, who stood between them with their hands on her shoulders, almost like an old-time family portrait. I scrambled for my binoculars, bringing them up to my eyes without ever looking away. As soon as my eyes came into focus, I realized it. They were all three, staring straight at me. I jolted awake, dropping my phone, which had been in my lap, on the floor of my car. My head snapped to the window of the house, but there was nothing. No! I shouted as I slammed the steering wheel completely and utterly exacerbated and discouraged. I didn't want to believe I'd fallen asleep and dreamt the whole thing, but the longer I stared, the more I realized that that's exactly what happened. I drove back to my rundown hotel room and detailed the events in my journal, including the dream. Then I called it a night. I went back every night for a week, seeing nothing more eventful than a spooky dream. I was starting to think that this might not be as perfect as I thought it was, until the newspaper started releasing more details, eventually including lines from the police report. While originally deemed to be a break-in gone wrong, police suspect the brutal murder of family of three has more to it. Well, that certainly got my attention. I read on. 
Police have been unable to identify any items taken during the home invasion, with many valuables still left behind. Additionally, it appears the attacker, or attackers, made no attempt to search the premises at all. What was the purpose for the attack? The hairs on the back of my neck were standing straight up at this point. I immediately hopped on my phone, googling anything and everything I could think of regarding this incident. As I had expected, conspiracy theorists, occult followers, ghost hunters, and deep web nuts of all kinds were jumping on it, each proposing their own explanation. Was this seemingly sweets and normal suburban family hiding something? Was it a random act of unspeakable violence? Could it have been a cult ritual? Of course, this kind of thing attracts tons of, well, people like me. If others were thinking it, I might not be wrong after all. I decided I was in this one for the long haul. I got a part-time job tending a bar, which interfered with my pursuit at times, but I had to pay the bills somehow. I saved up some money and moved into a nice couple's extra room. It wasn't much, but the rent was cheap and they kept to themselves. Eventually, the house was cleaned as a crime scene and put up for sale. In the months that it was on the market, I learned everything I could about the place. The realtors had an alarm installed since it sat empty for so long, but it didn't take more than a few minutes on the internet to figure out ways around that. I spent so many nights investigating the house, setting video recorders, sound recorders, and sweeping with UV lights. I learned which stairs would creak, which doors were squeaky, and which windows were loose. I learned the attic was generally colder than the rest of the house, and I memorized the room, the room with the fire. It didn't look the same as the pictures. I knew it had been remodeled, but I committed every detail to memory. I walked through the room, hoping to feel any kind of chill in the air, any kind of agitated presence. I laid on the floor and screamed as loud as I could. I begged, pleaded, and taunted, hoping to elicit any kind of response. But I still saw nothing, heard nothing, and felt nothing. After about seven months of trying and failing... I realized the missing piece. As I drove up to the house one evening, I noticed the for sale sign had been taken down. At first, I panicked. With the family moving into the home, I wouldn't have the access that I needed to the house. It had become my obsession, my religion, my addiction. I needed this house to be the one. But then it dawned on me, and hope sparkled once more. The house was never haunted, because the spirits had never felt threatened. They never saw their home invaded, turned someone else's. With a family moving in, and the cameras and microphones already existing in the house, this would be the perfect opportunity to observe the area without anyone's knowledge, as it slowly drew the ghosts of this family into despair and back into the real world. The new family that moved in seemed idyllic. A relatively young couple, early thirties, and two young children, a girl and a boy. I don't know much about kids, but they both seem younger than ten. They ate their meals together, they had family game nights, and they all seemed to love each other very much. Especially the man and the woman. 
They made love almost every night. At first, I tried not to watch, but the thought that perhaps such an act would draw a spirit out captivated me, and I would be glued to the screen the entire time, watching from the edge of my seat. I didn't enter the house too much, at least not at first. But as I watched the family and learned their habits, their schedules, and their lives, I realized there was still so much information I needed, and so much data my journal was still missing. I usually waited until they left the house, but I started becoming irritable, impatient. I needed results. And in the end, I got reckless. It all came crashing down when I risked too much. I had to see the room again. I had to feel a presence. I knew it was there. When I walked in the room, they were asleep. When she stirred, I didn't think she'd woken up. But she was just... frozen. Then she started screaming, so loud and terrible. I wasn't trying to scare her, I promise. As she grasped for her husband, I plummeted into fight or flight. I've never ran so fast in my life. Down the stairs, to the front door. As I burst through, the alarm went off, but I didn't care. I knew it was over. Everything I'd worked for. As I started my car and peeled away, I looked back one last time, watching lights all through the house turn on. I may have imagined it, but for a fraction of a second, a glimpse as I looked away, I thought I saw the family of three posing for their portrait in the same window I'd seen all those months ago. I knew I had to leave town. I knew I couldn't ever go back. They'd find the cameras. They'd find my fingerprints. It was all over the house. They would know what I did. What I'd been doing. It was all over. I had to move on. But I hadn't given up. I've never seen a ghost. But I know I'll find one. At a rest stop about 30 miles outside of town... I stopped to make one last journal entry before I left this case behind forever and got back on the road. Fire didn't work. Next time, I'll try drowning them. <laughs>